I'm going to try something a little different and preach from the pulpit tonight. And uh, you let me know if you can hear me better when I'm up here versus when I'm down front gesticulating. Now, I, I won't be able to gesticulate as much as I do when I'm down here, but I'll try my best okay, to keep your attention. What's really interesting in Advent is we notice that for the first two Sundays of Advent, we actually focus on the second coming of Jesus and not his first coming, which is a little counterintuitive because here it is, we're preparing for Christmas, which has to do with his first coming. So we focus, though, on his second coming. It's very, very important to do that. It's sort of like as long as we're thinking about his coming, the first one, we might as well think about the second one, too. It's kind of like, you know, getting... uh, two-for-one kind of deal. So it's very important. We see in Isaiah and we see in our Gospel text a picture of Jesus as judge of the living and the dead, as the one who will come at the very end, and he will usher in the age to come. He will usher in eternity. Okay. So I'm going to speak about heaven tonight. That's really going to be the uh, focus of my message. Heaven we can think of as the place that we go to immediately after death if we die in God's friendship. But also, and probably more importantly, we really need to think about heaven as the state of eternity, the eternal state of eternal life that the righteous will enter into for eternity at the end of time when Christ returns and calls all the living, all those who have ever lived, back from the grave. And then decides the the destiny of each one. So, those who enter into eternal life and eternity in the resurrection of the dead, that also is heaven. Okay, very important. We need to focus on that. And that's kind of what I'll be focusing on tonight. There was a story I heard recently, a woman by the name of Florence Chadwick in 1952, so back in the day. She was a professional swimmer, and she was the first woman that crossed the English Channel uh, swam across the English Channel, which is 21 miles long. And she decided to up the ante and she wanted to go a little bit further. So she decided to try to swim from the Catalina, uh, from Catalina Island uh, to the coast of California. So this island is 22 miles off the coast. So she began swimming, and after about 15 hours of swimming, she was really getting exhausted and she didn't think she could make it anymore. And uh, there was actually some boats accompanying her. In fact, her mother was there in one of the boats encouraging her and saying, it's not much longer, not much longer, keep it up. And she said, what happened was that everything was foggy. It was a cold and very foggy uh, evening. And she could not see the shore. And she did, she gave up. So she never made that 22-mile swim. And uh, when she got on the boat, she only was realized then that she was only half a mile away from her destiny. Real sad, right? And she said to the, in the press conference the next day, she said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. And it, so also this is a very good analogy for why it's important to think about heaven. Heaven is the shore that we're laboriously swimming towards in this life. And the, the fog of our distractions and worries and trials and so forth and so on can kind of get in the way of our vision and possibly threaten our success in actually making it to that shore. So it's really important to meditate upon heaven uh, regularly 
as a means of sort of dispelling the fog so that we can see where we're heading clearly. And that's what I'm going to be doing in my, my homily tonight. One question right off the bat that, that people like to ask or to think about, they, they sort of use their imagination and not faith based on the Word of God, but just their imagination uh, about what heaven would be. And it kind of becomes discouraging because they think of themselves as sitting on clouds for eternity playing a part. And we're like, you know, that's really boring. <laughs> I'd rather be living right here on earth. I don't want to be in heaven because that's boring. That's interesting here, you know. So sometimes people, when they use their imagination, that it really, it, it's counterproductive. Okay, so we as Christians need to move by faith based on what has been revealed to us. And I can tell you truly, uh, based on the word of God, that heaven is definitely not boring. It is definitely not boring. It is the fullness of meaning of what this creation is all about. It's the purpose for why existence is existence and why God created the universe. And it's anything but boring. In fact, really, if we notice... Uh, some interesting imagery in our first reading from Isaiah. We see lots of these little kids, lots of children. We see babies and little children, and they're playing with animals in the wild. Animals, kind of dangerous animals, and they seem to be at peace with these dangerous animals. But this image of children, I think, is very appropriate because heaven is basically a new birth. And this life that we live here on earth is like a womb. And we're developing and we're growing and we're getting ready to be born into our true life. So if someone were to say, oh, I just want to stay in the womb forever. I don't want to be born to actually get out into the world and actually start living my life. That would be kind of silly. And that's really what it is to be on this earth. It's We're in a womb. And unfortunately, those who at the end of destiny, when Christ comes as judge... Uh, and, and they do not have God's grace in their hearts, and they end up going to eternal damnation. It's as if they're a stillborn child. That would be an analogy, okay? And those who enter into heaven, it's they make it. They're born. And then they actually begin to live their real life, their true life. And the purgatory is, as it were, kind of, you know, there's, there's still some growth that's got to be done. All right? So it's sort of like an incubator. You know, you come out of the womb and you're not ready for full life yet because you're still, you're not quite strong and healthy enough. You've still got more education, sort of remedial work to do. And so purgatory is a kind of incubator where you continue to grow until you're ready for the full life, the eternal life of heaven. Another issue that think, people think about when they think of heaven is that they, it's an issue about time. They think, oh, eternity means time like how we experience it, but just really, really long. Oh my gosh. Okay? And that's not eternity. That's not eternity. Eternity is properly the mode of existence with which God Himself actually lives. And so when we enter into eternity, we're actually going to be participating in God's own eternity. And so for God, there's no past and there's no future. God, as it were, sees everything all as presence. And so there's a phrase that theologians use, they, they talk about the eternal presence. And when we enter into eternity, we're going to be entering into a mode of existence similar to God's 
own existence. We see this image of Jesus as someone who's got a, a threshing fork and he separates the chaff from the wheat. And what does he do? He gathers the wheat together into his barn. And in heaven, our life is completely concentrated. Okay? It's totally concentrated. The quality of life is so intense, it's beyond our conception. It's just like a gathering together of all that we... You know, we're weak, scattered out there, but then Jesus takes us and he brings us together. And it's a concentrated form of existence. It's a concentrated life. We think of time, time uh, of the clock, it, it's invariable. Click, 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 tick, tick, tick. It's invariable. But we are not just material beings, we are spiritual beings as well as material. And so a little analogy to help us understand what eternity is or what it's like is to reflect upon our own experience of time. We experience time not invariably like the hands of the clock. Sometimes time is stretched out for us and it's very tedious and boring. Okay? And it's thin. It's thin. It doesn't have substance to it. Okay? And it drags on and on and on and on. Other times, we experience time very differently. An hour can go by and it feels like nothing. Because it's full of rich experience. Whatever that might be. Maybe a conversation that you're having that's very lively. Or a spiritual experience. Or maybe you're in the flow of some kind of an athletic activity or whatever it might be. But then in that case, we experience time as compressed. As gathered together. As very dense. As rich. As substantial. Okay, and this is, and then very interesting, the opposite happens when that time is done with. So if we've endured an hour of tedium and boredom, when that hour is done and we move on to something else, guess what? That hour, it just like, it disappears. But the time that we experience is very short and intense and rich for life. When it's done, it actually doesn't disappear. It remains with us. It stays with us. It's substantial. I can remember those sorts of moments in my life very vividly. Conversations I've had with people or different experiences that were very rich. You see, that concentrated sense of time, it remains. Now, it's just a little bit of an analogy to help us understand what, what eternity is. And so, Jesus, with the chaff and with the wheat... The chaff of all the boringness, the mechanical monotony of material time is blown away. That thin time. But the thick time, the substantial, life-filled time of the wheat, it remains and it's gathered together and it's condensed and yet it remains. So this is just a little bit of what eternity might be. What do we do in eternity? Well, it says in Isaiah that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And so we will behold the, the essence of God and continually delve deeper and deeper and deeper into the mysteries of God. And that's the main purpose and that's the main essence of what heaven is. But in addition to that, we will actually as well this is really a secondary thing, but I'm going to kind of focus on it. We will as well delve into the meaning of our own lives. And we will dwell, we will delve into the meaning of all the other lives of the righteous who enter into heaven. 
And so now it's like we're writing a book. But then when it's done, we'll be able to reflect back on it and interpret it and see meaning there that was there all along that we didn't notice. And if you look at it, there's a very interesting image here in Isaiah. It says, The calf and the young lion shall browse together with a little child to guide them. Now we have to ask ourselves, and this is kind of how I'll, I'll end my holiday, a little more exhortation. We have to ask ourselves, in this life, how are we behaving such that we will become which of those three? Will we be the calf, okay, a harmless, docile animal, or will we be the young lion, okay, the aggressor, all right? Or will we be the little child to guide them? Will we be the innocent or the one in the wrong? You see, we'll be able to look back on our lives and we'll say, you know, that conflict that I had, those disagreements that I had with those people, I was actually the one in the wrong. I was the lion. And now I see that clearly. I thought I was in the right, but I was in the wrong. I was the jerk. Or maybe it will be, oh, I'll see clearly I was actually the lion. And the person who lives a life of true substance and true holiness and integrity of character, that person will be, as it were, the child that guides the others. So there will be angels, there will be saints, there will be maybe a, a person in our lives that we knew on earth that was very holy, and they'll be the guide in this incredible journey into this process of gathering together the substance of our lives and the lives of all of those who are headed, so that its true death and meaning is revealed. And there is so much a superabundance of meaning that we'll be able to see that it will be an eternal activity that will never uh, become boring or silly or tedious because it will be new constantly, continually, for eternity. And so, my brothers and sisters, in this life right now, we have to ask ourselves, are we focusing on first world problems, you know, in our lives? Are we focusing on superficial things? Are we getting caught up in the fog of our own sort of petty worries and doubts? Or are we excited and focused on our eternal destiny? Are we living our lives with fullness and, and substance and depth and meaning? Okay? Are we in conflict with people? It's very important. I say this all the time to people. We need to love everybody because, Lord willing, you will spend eternity with your enemy. Okay? And if you're not ready to do that now, you've got some growing to do. Okay? And we need to desire deeply to be friends with everyone. And sometimes, uh, for whatever reason, you know, you, there's not a reconciliation that's possible with someone we're in conflict with. We still need to desire in the depths of our hearts that we're going to be the calf and the lion and the little child together for eternity. I desire eternal happiness for that person who dislikes me. And I want only what's good for me. And I want to be friends with them and in communion with them for eternity. My brothers and sisters, so important to be at peace 
with our family, with our co-workers, with people in our lives, whoever it might be. Okay? And the, the people who are able to do that are people of real substance. They're the grain that Jesus gathers into his barn for eternity. Let's meditate and think about heaven, my brothers and sisters, and thereby get our destiny clear in our mind's eyes and push away the fog and the distractions of this world and get ready uh, for true life.